Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. The Texas Longhorns are spiraling out of control. Now, is that good for the Bears or bad for the Bears? going into Saturday's matchup in Austin. Let's talk through it. This is Locked on Baylor. You are Locked on Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Locked on Baylor brought to you by Game Time. I am your host, Cam Sewer. Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. It is your team here every day, Baylor Bears, previewing what needs to be a bounce-back game for Baylor, and they aren't the only team in this game that need to bounce back as they travel just about 100 miles south down to Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns at the Moody Center, Center? Arena? Something like that. On Saturday morning, 11 a.m. for that one. And as much as we say, you know, the Bears need to bounce back, that was an awful game on Tuesday. Texas really needs a bounce back, really needs a bounce back. Wednesday night, they dropped to one and three in the Big 12. Their only win being a one-point win against unranked Cincinnati. Uh, they dropped to UCF 77-71 to in a game where they had at least a 15, I think a 17-point lead at one point, a 12-point lead at halftime. They just completely fell apart in the second half, specifically the last 12 minutes. And UCF comes out with a win. And better yet, uh, Rodney Terry, the Texas head coach, loses it during the handshake line because the UCF players are doing what we would all do given their situation and putting the horns down on Texas's home court after beating them. And he just lost it, man. Just yelling at the players saying, that's classless. Don't do that. S. And... In the post game, he was asked about it, and this will just kind of give you what you need to know about where Texas is at right now with their basketball program. You know, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, you win the right way, you lose the right way, and you know, I always tell my guys, you know, um, whether you win or lose, you win the right way, you lose the right way, you carry yourself the right way, you don't go through the handshake line or proud to get into the handshake line and have about six or seven guys putting the horns down we don't do that you know because when you do those kind of things it looks very classless and it also looks like you were just hoping to win we never go into games trying to hope to win we go into games expecting to win so we don't act like that you know we expect to win we don't jump up and down like like we won a national championship we sure don't step on anyone's home court deal and act crazy and try to show them up in any way we don't do that you know so that's what I was angry about and I was letting those guys know you don't do that, you know. You guys want, hey, we shake, you know, shake your hand, tip our hat to you, but we're not gonna let you act that way in our building. You're not gonna do that. You're not gonna put your horns down and do all that nonsense. <laughs> oh, oh boy, <laughs> oh boy, they really got under Rodney Terry's bonnet there. Oh man, I, look, I I like Rodney. I think he. I think he did a terrific job last year filling in for Chris Beard and 
with all the, the hurdles that that team had, not only with losing their head coach in the middle of the season or right before the conference schedule, uh, but also their best player, Dylan DeSue, getting hurt. Um, and they uh, right at the end of the season, and he still gets them to the Elite Eight. They're literally just a few baskets away from the Final Four for the first time in 20 years. And so um, I, I respected the heck out of him. Uh, I still do. Um, I thought that was a good move by Texas to promote him because he had been the assistant and the main recruiter under two regimes, and they really had kind of continued on playing well from the end of Shaka's days through the Chris Beard era, the short-lived Chris Beard era, um, and then he takes them to the Elite Eight. So I, I can't sit here and say, oh, that was a stupid move. Huh? You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I would have been saying the same thing um, you know, at the end of last season that Rodney Terry should get the job. Jury's still out on whether he's still a good head coach. Um, one person who doesn't believe in the Texas Longhorns is I have this great column here from the Austin American Statesman from Kirk Bowles. If you follow anything around the Austin area, Kirk Bowles has been there uh, forever and is one heck of a columnist, even though even looking past his obvious faults of covering the Texas Longhorns and being a Yankee fan, um, but just great stuff uh, yesterday talking about this Texas basketball team. Um, and he starts it with this. Here lies the Texas basketball team, born November 6th, died January 17th. Cause of death was unnatural causes. But the symptoms were a gross lack of leadership in crunch time, a bad case of defensive lapses, a clear shortage of toughness, poor fundamentals, and an inability to finish games. Otherwise, the Longhorns were in great health. This is fantastic. And it pretty much just gets better from here on out. I'm just going to highlight some of my favorite parts and the takeaways that you need to know about this team that Kirk talks about. And, and this is something I will get into in the second uh, segment here, but the Knights badly out-rebounded the Horns by 15, and their bench outscored the home team's reserves 34-7 to plus 27 on the bench. And he puts in a, a quote here from Dylan DeSue, who said after the game, I don't think anything is wrong with us. Uh, we just got to figure out how to play hard for 40 minutes. And I find that interesting because I think Baylor fans looking at the Big 12 schedule and how the, the four games that they've played, even though they're three and one, would say, we're still waiting for a complete 40-minute performance from this team. And yet they're three and one. Texas is one and three. And this is what's amazing. I, I, I double-checked with ESPN on their website to to look at this, and, and this is true. Texas isn't listed on anyone's current 68-team NCAA tournament field or even one of the last eight teams out by ESPN's projections, and that was before they lost to UCF, which ESPN picked to finish last in the conference, by the way. Before they lost to UCF, they weren't in the tournament. I, I had Drake Toll on, host of Locked On Big 12, uh, talk about this on ESPN 1660. It was about a week and a half ago now, and he was ahead of the curve. He said, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas does not make the tournament at all. And based off that and what we've seen, they are not a tournament team. Like, they are sinking like a stone. And uh, he talks about how, you know, Rodney Terry kind of kept this team together last year, and even with DeSue out, they make a run to the Elite Eight. And then he says, but this team with DeSue looks rudderless and disconnected at times and a bit fragile mentally. I don't know how you see that game on, on Wednesday and think that they're not a bit fragile mentally. They completely blew it. Now, I know UCF isn't 
the last place team that a lot of experts projected. You know, they, they beat Kansas. They only narrowly lost to BYU. Like, this is a solid team. Uh, but they've made the the tournament once in the last 20 years. Like, they're, I think Johnny Dawkins is doing a good job there, but it's not like, you know, this is this sleeping giant of a team. And so Kirk Bowles kind of takes them over the coals there, and he's right. This this team is just, if if it's not directionless, it's heading in the wrong direction. Um, they just can't seem to get things right. Um, they, they lost embarrassingly in their last game out before UCF uh, at West Virginia. If you didn't pick UCF to be last, you picked West Virginia. And I've said this a few times on this show, but if, <laughs> if a team could opt out of a season or opt out of a conference for a season, the Mountaineers absolutely would have done that um, with the, with the, the firing of Bob Huggins late in the spring, early in the summer. I don't remember when that was just trying to throw a team together, just try one step away from the open tryouts that TCU women are hosting this week, like to just fill out a roster and they're as hapless as they come in this conference. I feel for them. It's hopefully just this year that they're this hapless, but they beat Texas. Now UCF has too. And I would love to just keep laughing at the Longhorns. You know, you guys know, I love doing that. But I think I'm going to have to wait until after tomorrow's game because I've seen Baylor go against teams that were desperate for wins this year, and it hasn't gone well for the Bears. But this kind of needs to be a W. We're going to break down that matchup coming up after this word from our sponsor. And that sponsor is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. NFL's wrapped up, done, regular season, put a bow on it. We're into the divisional round, the best week of football all year. So there's still time to get on the action with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place that $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. It's put money in your pocket. And it's so easy to use. Even so much that I can do it. So easy a caveman can do it. I hope they don't make a sitcom out of me saying that. But you can have the Parlay Hub, live same-game parlays, uh, spreads, over-unders, all those great player props that you see in the NFL postseason as well. It's all available through there. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make that first bet a slam dunk. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official partner of the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, so I can wax poetic all day about how bad Texas has been this year. And there's still plenty of conference schedule left, but they have a lot, a lot of work to do. I mean, when... I talked about that Baylor loss to Kansas State and how we're going to look back at that and say, oh, that, that needed to be a win. That was the only time we played them this year. They're one of the few teams that's not in the rankings. Needed to have that win. Texas has lost to the bottom two teams, or at least that's what they were in the preseason and aren't that much higher right now already. They lost to UCF at home. 
They lost to West Virginia. So they're in a world of hurt. So we know how bad they are, but how does Baylor match up with them? Fairly well, in my opinion. Fairly well. I mentioned in that Kirk Bowles article, uh, Texas got out-rebounded by 15. <laughs> 15 in that game against UCF. And one thing that I have been complimentary of for Baylor this year, especially in the Big 12 schedule, is they're rebounding the heck out of the ball especially on the offensive end. Baylor was plus 15 themselves on offensive rebounds against Kansas State. I like this team's chances at having second chance points a lot more in this game where they should be hungrier and getting to the basket more than they did against Kansas State. And still, miraculously, after three performances of shooting under 25% from three out of their four games in the Big 12 this year, Baylor is still number one in three-point percentage in the conference, which is incredible to me uh, because BYU's hit a bit of a snag in that as well. So let's just say you got it out of your system. You shot whatever, 18% against Kansas State. You probably can't shoot that bad again. Not two games in a row. I know. It's been three out of four that it's been 25%, but at least that means it's probably going to be like six or 7% better, right? Right? Well, I'll give you this as, as a little bit of hope. So like I mentioned, Baylor is still number one in that team three-point percentage. Texas is actually fairly good at this too. So we talk about Baylor and BYU being the big three-point shooting teams in the Big 12. Uh, Texas is just percentage points behind uh, BYU in third. In fact, BYU is at 37% even, 3.70. Texas is at 3.69. Baylor is still at 4.04. So a comfortable lead, by the way, in first and three-point percentage in the Big 12. And then I look at opponent three-point field goal percentage, so how they're guarding on the perimeter. Baylor fourth, which is pretty good. BYU still tops in that. Um, they're holding teams to about 30%. Texas is 14th. If you're keeping score at home, I know it's called the Big 12, but there are 14 teams in this conference, and Texas is ranked 14th, allowing teams to shoot 34% against them. And Baylor is still in the top three for made three-pointers per game, whereas Texas is in the bottom half of that as well at eighth uh, with, what are they at, 7.7. So about a, a three, one three-pointer less per game. That's the margins we're talking about. So those are the things that stuck out to me in terms of these team comparisons. Because Baylor has just, they've got to shoot it better. And the percentages say, they absolutely have to be shooting it better. Like this game or the next game, it has to start evening out. I, I was very critical of the team not going to the basket more against Kansas State, and maybe they're not the 43% three-point shooting team that they were coming into the week, but they still should be a good three-point shooting team with the personnel that they have. I get it. The defense is tougher in the Big 12. I understand. You're not going to shoot 43% for the year. That's that's really good. But it still should be a pretty good three-point shooting team. And the, the, the big reason I think they have struggled is because they have played some really good defensive, in-your-face kind of defensive teams. BYU, maybe not necessarily, although a physical team, but Oklahoma State was definitely that in that game in the conference opener. 
and Cincinnati and Kansas State are absolutely, that is the MO of their team, defend, contest the heck out of everything, even more than most Big 12 teams. Um, Texas, by these numbers, is not that. Now, they will come out with some hunger. Like, don't, they're not going to lay over in this game just because they're one and three in the conference. In fact, it's going to be quite the opposite. They're playing at home uh, against a good team, and they've had first-half leads in these games that they've lost. I mentioned they were up at 15, I think, in, in the second half of that game against UCF. So they are going to come out and put a storm on you. They are. Um, and it's up to Baylor to have that storm not be be more like the storm Cincinnati gave you than the storm that Michigan State gave you because you you had no chance of coming back in that game. So I'm hoping that this is the contest that Baylor puts the ball in the basket, sees it go through the hole from three-point land a few times. Um, it, it's got to be, right? Like, it, it it has to be. We're due for a good three-point shooting game. Like, just a good one, not even a really good one. We're good for, like, due for an average three-point shooting game rather than 25% or below. And uh, the other big number that stuck out to me in that Texas UCF game and something that uh, Rodney Terry was asked about in the post game was that bench scoring dreadful 34 to seven. That's horrific. And I wish I had the stats in front of me from the Kansas state game, but Baylor did outscore their bench. And I think it was considerable as well. It was like a 14 or 15 point edge. If I'm not mistaken, they're thankful to Langston love who did have 15 points off the bench, but Baylor has been doing that consistently throughout the season. I think even against Michigan state, they, they like were even or or led in bench points. Like that's that's how crazy they lost by 20 something points, but they still had bench points just about even. And so I think that's a reason why you still see Langston Love off the bench. Um, they can have some guys who can heat up when they come in. Um, they're not starters, but they can play 25, 30 minutes a game. And Baylor just has the guns off the bench that Texas does not have. And that is going to be key for them, and and not just in this game, but throughout the Big 12 schedule, um, is having a depth advantage because I think Baylor does have one of the deepest benches in the conference, if not the deepest bench in the conference. And that was something they did not, or it didn't come together against Kansas State. It wasn't a big enough factor because of how poorly they were shooting. Obviously, they were up big on bench points, but... Um, Kansas State rolls like seven or eight deep and Baylor can roll 10 deep. And they just didn't take advantage of that in that game up in Manhattan. So hopefully that is the case again in this game. And I mentioned um, the the rebounding numbers. I think a lot of how this game starts will be how the whistle goes. And I, I look, I, I never like bringing officials into the equation. Um, I thought they actually did a good job Tuesday night against Kansas State because there was a lot of roughhousing, but they were letting both teams do it. And if that's the case, fine, I'll take that. Um, and so Baylor's going to need to be physical down low like they were against Michigan State because Texas, that's not their MO. And sure, they might be physical coming out out of the gate because of all those things I talk about. You know, they, they're they coming off a bad loss. They're 1-3. They're at home. It's going to be a charged-up atmosphere even at 11 a.m. They're going to come out playing physical, but Baylor can wear them down. And something I've been, I think has been a super positive uh, throughout 
it's grown throughout these four games in the conference schedule is how physical Baylor bigs have been. Eve Misi has completely added that to his game. Josh O has added more of that to his game. And someone who uh, I have liked his role this season is Caleb Lohner. He, he had a couple open shots, open jump shots that were not his shots that he didn't take against Kansas State. Praise the Lord, man. He's getting away from that. He is a hustle guy who can play physical, can, can guard a couple different positions, and can rebound that basketball. And that's what he needs to be. And what I think is so good about this Baylor bench unit to get back to those guys, the loner and those guys, is it's not just loner and Josh O that are physical, the big guys. Langston Love is super physical. <laughs> he is. Miro Little came out there, and he was not afraid of, of banging around. Like, everyone on this bench has some grit. And that, I think, is going to give Baylor an edge in this game against Texas. And, and we'll see how much those guys play. Obviously, that was a matchup thing against Cincinnati where um, Josh O played basically the whole second half um, and and Langston played pretty much the whole second half as well for uh, Misi and Nunn, respectively. So I, I'm interested to see. There's a, there's a blueprint there. Baylor has the chance to knock Texas around so much in the first couple minutes that they do lay over. Um, and we'll learn a lot about both teams, I think in this game. Um, and so don't, don't be surprised if there is that storm early. I expect it, but Baylor can come out, be physical, really physical and yeah, hit some shots, especially some outside shots and they can really back Texas into a corner early. So excited to see what we have in store for that game tomorrow. And hopefully Baylor wins so I can laugh at Texas just a little bit more than I already am. Anyway, the ladies play tomorrow as well. And thankfully not at the same time, I don't think, as the men. Finally, that's awesome. They take on UCF. We're going to break down that game and how Nikki Collins' team can get back on track after a couple of losses in a row. But first, let's talk about my pals over at Game Time. Now, I know you guys are listening to the show right now. You have heard about how hapless Texas is and how Baylor's going to beat him and you're going to put the horns down up. And so you want to go down to Moody, which I think is the Moody Center, and you want to see your Baylor Bears play. Well, it's the day before the game or the day of the game, depending on when you're listening to this. No worries, though. Game Time has got you, okay? I know it's frustrating buying tickets. I've, I've dealt with that. My whole adult life here, it sucks. But with game time, it doesn't. They don't have the hidden fees that double your price. They give you the view from your seats before you hit that purchase button. And it is the best place for last-minute tickets, like for this Baylor UT game that you're looking at right now, okay? Because it's got deals all the way up until tip-off and even an hour after tip-off. So if you're one of those Bears fans in Austin, you like how the game is going, you can buy tickets during the game and get down there to Moody and cheer on the Bears. Uh, it's the very best place to do it. I, I did it for last-minute tickets to see the Bruins play up in Dallas, and it was perfect. They, they had the best tickets for me at a great price. So take the guesswork work out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code locked on for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms do apply okay but again create an account use the code locked on that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest prices guaranteed 
So switching it over to the women's side, um, the Bears play for the first time in a week on tomorrow, Saturday, uh, as they take on UCF. I got to put my hand up here, guys. I never claim to be smart, but I am an idiot. Okay, I'm not the brightest knife in the chandelier. I talked all about yesterday on yesterday's show about the TCU situation and how Kansas State's getting this extra rest to play Baylor. I lied. I was stupid. I thought I got the games mixed up. I thought they were playing Kansas State on Saturday, UCF on Monday. It's the other way around. Uh, so they actually don't get a lot of rest for um, for Kansas State, which is ranked number seven as it stands right now. Uh, they will play them on Monday. They will play UCF tomorrow. And that might be for the best for Baylor. I, I probably would have liked having the week-long preparation for a team that's ranked seventh in the nation, like Kansas State. But, but... Needing a bounce back win after losing two in a row, I'll take a team like UCF in there because what the UCF men's team was supposed to be, the UCF women's team is. A lot of season left, but it has not gone their way so far. It's been a rough, rough intro to the Big 12. They are 0-5 in the conference right now. And what's weird about them is they actually have not played a common opponent. Baylor and them have not played a common opponent, um, which is weird, five or six games into the schedule. They have played two ranked teams, though, UCF, and they have lost both of them, one by 16 and one by 17. So it has not gone swimmingly at all for the Lady Knights of Central Florida, and this is just a prime opportunity for Baylor to bounce back. You lost two in a row, one of them to maybe not a very good, but a hungry Kansas team on the road. That was a massacre and then played a lot better and lost a really tight one to a good Iowa State team. I know they lost to Tech the other night, but a good Iowa State team up in Ames. So now you're back home. You're going to have that home court advantage. They've talked about how much they love playing at the Foster Pavilion. It's back, ladies. Here we go. This is the time to get back on track. And what I'm interested to see is how much more physical they play because Nikki Collins said this after the Kansas loss and said, you know, Kansas was tougher than us on that night. They they got the loose balls. They took it to our chest. Um, we just, we didn't play physical. We didn't play tough. And she went on to say in that soundbite that, you know, we're not necessarily a tough team. We're a finesse team. We're a running team. And I was surprised to see that they did play more physical against Iowa State. Now, they didn't win, which they probably should have, even based on the rankings. I know it's not an easy place to play up in Hilton, but... Um, that shows me that this team can get tougher and can play more physical. There's a part to their game that's not exclusive to being physical. Does that make sense? They don't have to be all finesse all the time in order to succeed. So that said, I want to see the balance of how physical they play versus just playing your game. Don't overthink it. You're playing a weaker opponent, run up and down on them all night, the same way you did to Houston. Um, last Saturday, not the Saturday that they lost to Iowa State, obviously, but the Saturday before, um, and just just run all over them and get out there with the W, save your physicality for the number seven ranked team in the country on Monday. Um, interested to see that. That is at the Foster Pavilion. You can still get tickets for that. That's an afternoon tip. Oh, boy, I don't want to say the wrong thing again. So, um, well, I got UCF schedule right here. Let's see. Yes, two o'clock tip. I was right. Get down there to the Foster. It's an awesome arena if you haven't seen it yet. Um, it, it's it's so fun when that place gets going and show some support out there for your Lady Bears. They need a win. I think they're going to get the win. 
Um, the men need a win. I'm hoping they can get that win too to really put Texas in their place. That would feel really good. Um, and get back to winning in Austin like they used to always do before last year. Anyway, let me know what you think about these games. Are the women going to bounce back? Are the men going to bounce back? Is Texas as bad as their record right now shows? Are they on a sinking ship? Are they not going to make the tournament? Is the Rodney Terry experiment a failure? Let me know how that's all going to go. Put that down in the comments below. Any comment helps. Be sure to like and subscribe. And we will, I think probably have a post game for you tomorrow after the men's game to see how that game down in Austin went. And we'll talk it out. I always want the comments in there too. Thank you for making it your first listen today. And every day uh, we will see you tomorrow with a live post game here on locked on Baylor.